Talk Radio 77 WABC. Curtis Lewa. Curtis Lewa. Rip and read. Check this out. This is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Walking about. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. This is the Rip and Read. Better run, better hide. Comrade Bill de Blasio, part-time mayor, dope from Park Slope, and your evil, crooked wife, Charlene. This song is by Nancy uh, Pat Benatar, who had something in common with you. She was birthed as you were in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. And her original name, before she took the stage name, Pat Benatar, was Patricia Andrzejewski, Polish. And she moved out to uh, Babylon, the town of Lindenhurst, just like you uh, moved out with your family from Greenpoint all the way out to uh, Bohemia in Suffolk County. Yeah, very similar pathway. See? All Polish all the time. All the time. But there's a reason we play this song because I got to tell you, former mayor, comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope who single-handedly destroyed this city that we love and disgraced his father by changing his last name from Conrad von Wilhelm. So the last name was von Wilhelm. He said, oh, my father abused me. I changed my name. His father was a war hero in the Pacific Second World War. In fact, I think he even lost his leg. It's all nonsense. He changed his last name, that Udiskratzi, out of the Shanda, because he felt it would be easier coming down to Brooklyn to run with an Italian last name than a German last name. That's his mother's maiden name. What a double Udiskratzi out of But now... You clearly have gotten under Comrade Bill de Blasio's skin, along with Charlene, as you have continued your investigation as a well-known e-attorney to find out where the money is banked from the $1.5 billion that he and his wife stole from a non-existent uh, program to help the uh, mentally uh, impaired on the streets and the subways and the parks a program called Thrive, and this is how he was beefing up to Suzanne Miller the other day when she asked him about that. Every dime was spent on mental health, period. Anyone who thinks otherwise is bluntly ignorant. Let's just stop kidding around. What do you think? You take bags of money and put them in a truck somewhere? If you want to be a conspiracy theorist, you can do that. Is he accusing you of being a conspiracy theorist? No, and actually, I'm not the only one who has called this out. There have been official attempts to do a probe. It's just that they've been thwarted. Well, could you play that one more time? Uh, wrong way, Lou Rafino. Listen to the anger. He figured two years out, he's escaped it. They can leave with one and a half billion. They pretend to be living together and married together so that they can't have one testify against the other. Listen again. The venom dripping from his lips. He might as well have said, hey, Nancy Sliwa, you're into conspiracy. Every dime was spent on mental health, period. Anyone who thinks otherwise is bluntly ignorant. Let's just stop kidding around. What do you think? You take bags of money and put them in a truck somewhere? If you want to be a conspiracy theorist, you can do that. There's no doubt that he's stolen the money with his wife. 
So uh, explain to me, when he left office, what became of that fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi organization that we were funding to the tune of $1.5 billion over five years? Thrive. Well, quietly, before he left office, he rebranded the name of the program. So now it's the Office of Community Mental Health, and it's housed within City Hall now. So, uh, you know, that that was the shift. But I think probably they thought no one was going to notice. They would think it's a totally different program, that it was disbanded because of all the, you know, the concerns about <laughs> where the money was going. But it continues to exist to this day, and it has a budget of over $200 million a year, probably close to 225 And notice they won't respond to James Flippin, our news guy, to get an exact figure on how much of our tax dollars is being spent on really what what has just been a repurposed name. Like if a nightclub goes out, they change the name. A strip club goes out, they change the name. They've just changed the name of the group, but it's still spending our money, and we don't see any results. Yeah, and they're, and they're still unable to show any transparency in terms of who they've helped. So, I mean, basic books that you would have, how many people have been placed in homes, how many people have been you know, presented with these services, and follow-up. Not just, oh, I saw them on the uh, the train. Like This is like one of the things they like to do, to claim that they, quote-unquote, interact with, interact with them. It's sufficient just to walk by them. So the point is, like, in terms of meaningful help and what you've done, it seems like a lot has really just gone to either administration or overhead costs because the number of the people right now, it's only, um, like, you know, a, a hundred who are employed on the trains. Yeah, meantime, uh, they're doing homeless outreach. They're doing a count of the homeless. Yeah. So all they're doing is going through the streets, the subways, and the parks and counting the homeless. They're not doing anything for them. Just counting. They're just counting them, and they're charging us millions of dollars. So you're touching a nerve, Mrs. Sliwa. I have a feeling it's because you hit the West Cayman Islands financial uh, sort of connection to the de Blasios, and that's why all of a sudden he's erupting now. So please continue. Just Just continue. To follow the money. Oh, absolutely. Meantime, uh, another situation has emerged that's going to cost us all money. Uh, he had appointed the chairman of the DOE, uh, Department of Education. The acronym stands for dumbest organization ever. $36 billion budget. One third of this bloated budget. And they misspend all of it. But he had appointed a guy named Carranza, who turned out to be a pendejo. And uh I, I mean, I can't even say this next word. The guy basically ripped us off and he left. Give us give us the sad tale of his racism and how much it's going to cost us. OK, so this relates to the story about a lawsuit that is now going um, forward. Um, it was started to be filed about five years ago by several um, you know members of Department of Education. And they you know, their claims that they were making was that um, they were basically being. Um, women uh, offer an evidence a policy of race-based discrimination at Carranza's DOE. So, the so min- these were all white women. Yeah, and so the minute the minute that he was um, instituted, right away everything, um, you know, the protocol changed, and then you know, going having to go to um, they created the um, Office of Equity and Access, and then this was a thing in which um, all the employees were basically programmed to go to, and and they were told, look, you know, you you have to um, go to these things, and you have to yield to people who are in in a similar job of color because that's part of our agenda. We want to make sure we promote that. So you'll have to take a back seat. And move your stuff and move your office 
So if you're white, you ain't right at the Department of Education. Yeah, and, and one, like, so out of the three women, right? So now obviously there's more cases out there, but this case has three women in particular. And when she was, uh, you know, immediately stripped of her title and then um, ultimately demoted several tiers, she was replaced by um, a black man with less qualifications and then required to attend his promotion ceremony and then repeated requests to get a workstation because she had been moved. They were met with her items being boxed up and stored under a headquarters stairwell. <laughs> they tried to move her out. That reminds me of that scene out of the movie Office Space. Remember when the manager comes up to the guy who loved to listen to his radio, loved Milton. to listen to WABC yes. all day. What was his name? Milton. Milton, who was intrepid. But they wanted to get rid of him, by all means necessary. Hi, Milton. And, but What's I, happening? I, I, Milton, we're going to need to go ahead and move you downstairs into storage B. No, we, I, I was told uh, I could have not, some new people coming yeah, in, and no, we need all the space we can get. But there's no space. So if you could in, just go ahead and it, pack up your it, stuff it, and move it down there, but, no, that would be terrific. I, I, I was okay. Milton, uh, working in Scranton, Pennsylvania, which listened, we was listening to WABC eventually in the basement, but a similar situation. So now you have these women, they're going to be suing us. Corporation counsel is going to settle because Carranza, that pendejo, Carrajo Carranza, ended up snacking on one of the women that he had appointed while he's married. And then explain to him, uh, explain to our audience what became of him and how we're going to have to end up holding the bag for the payout. Yeah, so this is actually really incredible. So right after he was um, anointed into this position, he started hiring friends for six-figure jobs, like high positions in the Department of Education, for jobs that were never publicly posted. So he was giving jobs to his friends. In addition, one of the people that he brought over uh, with a six-figure salary he wound up having an affair with. Now, this woman um, wound up leaving Department of Education, but they they moved in together. So now they're living in Texas together. Now, again, what's, in <laughs> what's interesting about this, too, is during the entire time that he was working there, they were getting numerous complaints regarding him. So, again, and now what's the, the organization, uh, the division, rather, that investigates this? Special Commissioner of Investigation. So these complaints were coming in and being ignored. So these lawsuits right here could have been avoided had they investigated at the time. But now the problem is the people are being pressured. Don't do the investigation. We don't want this guy to, you know, be uh, put in a bad light and we don't want a, a, our decision to look bad. So they just let this stuff slide. And now it's leading to a lawsuit that, to your point, is going to be a taxpayer's burden. So we're looking at potentially payouts of $90 million or more. Yeah, correct. Ninety million dollars, and they're again, they're the um, one of several cases because at this point, they're not answering exactly um, how many cases are currently going on. But another interesting point is that during the time when this was when this was being told, uh, you know, this office was being told, don't investigate, don't go forward. This is the same office that was set to investigate the Thrive program. The, um, through Shirley McRae because a large component of that exists within the school system. So this was one of the investigations, and whistleblowers at the time said that de Blasio was putting the, the Knicks on all of these investigations, probably because he didn't want to get investigated himself. So, Comrade Bill de Blasio, I know you're listening because you know that Nancy is on your case. 
We're going to beg and tag you on not just Thrive, but why you brought this inept, incompetent, this perv, carranza, a pendejo, carajo, to lead the Department of Education, dumbest organization ever, who then ended up basically prejudicing white women who had earned their stay at the Department of Education. And now he's fled the coop with his gal pal, gone to Texas. Yeah, like Pancho Villa, right? You're, you're fleeing us, and we're going to have to clean up the mess. And, hey, de Blasio, let me tell you something straight out. I know you're listening good. Nancy and I are coming for you. Everybody else has dropped the ball. We're going to get you if it's the last thing we do, you thief. Check this out. It's the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Talking about this is the Rip and Read featuring Curtis Lewa. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Lewa. It's all in the hips. <laughs> it's all in the it's all in the hips. Yeah. It's all in the hips. 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 Get off of me. It's all in the hips. He just needs an attention, baby. It's all in the hips. I'm on tonight, you know my hips don't lie. I'm a hips. 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 So yesterday, we were supposed to be all for toots. The mayor was on the stage of Hustos Community College, right on the Grand Concourse, the heart of the South Bronx. He was styling and profiling uh, in a $5,000 customized suit and claiming he's the blue-collar mayor to guide the blue-collar working-class city. And the audience of sycophants, toadies, and lackeys were applauding him. It's sort of like he goes out onto a stage, Nancy, claims he's a blue-collar man. What kind of a blue-collar guy wears a $5,000 customized suit every day? Yeah, and he also has an entry song. So, yeah, that doesn't really speak of a humble person. Yeah, Jay-Z, as if, <laughs> as if he was Derek Jeter getting into the batting box. I mean, please. And then he's had a film tribute to himself. He's taking this city right into the crapper and not a mention about the illegal aliens. The number one issue that's caused him to go down in 28% in the polls, the lowest mayoral polling data that has ever come out. And we've had some pretty stinky mayors in terms of their ability to provide service. And and you're right. He, he glossed over that issue, uh, definitely spent a lot of time blaming other people for the problem. Um, and then he expressed a lot of concern for the welfare of the migrants, not necessarily anyone else displaced. Like, we have to look out for them. Exactly, because they're the priority. Uh, average uh, Americans are citizens who are down on their luck, mostly African-Americans and veterans, tough nuggies to the back of the line. So he was the cheerleader, and he was out on the stage, and he was talking about, oh, he's got he's got the tagline. He's got the tagline. New Yorkers care about public safety first and foremost. Because it is the foundation on which our prosperity is built. But how many, I was in Brooklyn last night at Michael's Avenue R. Nostrand, actually for the first time in my life, great food. But um, 
How many people were shot and killed in Brooklyn last night? Hmm, it was multiple. That's Five. A That's a lot. Five. But crime is down, right? According to. Eric. And then he led the chants from the sickle fans in the audience. When I say crime down, you say jobs up. Crime down, jobs up. Crime down, jobs up. Um, again, Mr. Sliwa, to the best of your knowledge, how many people were murdered in Brooklyn last night? I think I've refreshed my memory a little bit. How many? Five. How can crime be down if five people get iced in one night? And in only one borough, Brooklyn. So anyway, uh, as he continued, I, I, you know, he was out on the stage. He was smiling, looking like a goofball. Do you think that he's taking ecstasy or Molly, a mood to elevator? Because he looked like he was goofy. He definitely, when he first came out, I got the impression that he might have been on something because he seemed out of it. Uh, yeah, and then, you know, throughout the rest of the time, he's very good at, at just being oblivious. So maybe it's just his natural skills. Now, he talks about how he was poor and impoverished, and he, he beats this narrative to death. I, I never believed it when he first said it. I don't believe it now. I don't even see the illegal alien kids, of which every day there are more and more walking around with a hefty trash bag uh, in their hands with clothes uh, in the hefty trash bag. But he tells this narrative all the time. And I'd like I'd like you to do the deep dive with me and find out anybody who ever went to school with him just saw him showing, showing up at a public school, not like a lioness, you know, with a, uh, a blanket, you know, in Charlie Brown, but a bag, he says, of clothes. Growing up in South Jamaica, Queens, my siblings and I carrying that plastic bag full of clothing to school every day. Mommy believing that we were going to be displaced without warning and wouldn't have a change of clothing, wanting us to be prepared. Now, there's two ways that can go. Justin Ellick, I'm going to give you an education. Uh, Eric Adams is about 61, 62, so I'm older than him. I'll soon be 70, uh, March 26th. When families couldn't afford the rent, we'd have a rent party in the street in Canarsie. And if they were good neighbors, you'd collect money because you wanted the good neighbors to stay. And not knowing who the next neighbors might be, there might be thugs and thugettes, you know, little uh, little juvenile delinquents. So if they were good neighbors and they were having a hard time paying the rent, because back then you didn't have tenant uh, landlord court like now. You didn't pay the rent. They kicked you out. We'd have a rent party. And then there were others who would move under the cover of darkness on a Friday night in order for the landlord not to realize they were gone by Monday and they would beat them for the rent. But do we really believe like Little Lioness and Charlie Brown that instead of uh, Eric Adams carrying around a mangy blanket, (laughs) he was carrying a hefty trash bag with his clothes because he went to school with his brothers and sisters in the morning. His mother went out to work. And they were concerned that when she got back from work or they got back from school, that their apartment might be padlocked and they would have nowhere to be. This, this, this seems highly unlikely. Is there anybody who buys that bull feathers crap that he's always telling as an narrative? Here's a guy with a $5,000 customized suit every day. He's got 50 of them. 
that a tailor has created for him on Madison Avenue who won't tell us how much Eric Adams paid for because he gave it to him for free. All roads lead to Turkey, and we're somehow supposed to believe that this guy would schlep to school every day of his life, even when he went to Bayside High School, with a hefty bag, a trash bag full of clothes. Uh, we're going to do the deep Yeah, I would love to find anyone who saw him carrying around that bag. Him and his siblings. Remember, he said his brothers well, they all and had sisters. It, right. Yeah, they all did it. Bull feathers. And then in the state of the city address, was talking how he's going to protect all the children from the evils of social media. We also need to protect our students from harm online, including the growing dangers. <clears throat> Presented by social media, companies like TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, book, are fueling a mental health crisis by designing their platforms with addictive and dangerous features. We cannot stand by and let big tech monetize our children's privacy and jeopardize their mental health. Question, uh, we got these uh, statements of his off his YouTube channel, right? Oh, he's big in all of those social media platforms. Don't let him fool you. So Twitter. <laughs> TikTok. He even has a TikTok. And he, he can't touch Curtis. So I got, what, 150,000 followers? Well, yeah, he can't touch. His TikTok is, is pretty sad, actually. But so he has all these social networking patterns. It's lame. Whenever you follow anything that his staff posts, uh, they get bombed with people who are just uh, responding negatively. How is he going to control the access that children have to social networking? Can he explain that? Well, we you know he he can't explain, it, right? He's trying to premise the fact that the mental health for young New Yorkers has been declining for a long time. So obviously, it's because they're on the social media. Like there wouldn't be no other reason they would be depressed. So he's the, he's calling it a public health hazard right now. So by making that declaration, the problem is that probably means that, that he's going to start funneling money to agencies to make commissions, to do studies. A lot of people who are going to get paid to do nothing. Well, let me ask this. Uh, the big issue now in the public school system that he controls is uh, they want to consider taking the cell phones away from the children and the young adults again like they did in the Bloomberg years. You used to go to a public school under Michael Bloomberg. You had to uh, put your cell phone in. They used to have, like, little trucks outside. A vendor could make, like, a dollar uh, for every yeah. cell phone. And then after school, you would come back and get your cell phone. I'm a believer the kids should not have cell phones in the classroom. It, all it does is it distracts. Uh, they don't uh, listen to the teacher. They threaten other kids. They become cyber bullies. Uh, and they do everything but focus on their lessons. They're constantly on their cell phones. And God forbid a teacher actually say, hey, you put your cell phone down. They basically tell the teacher, F you. And there's no backup at all from the school on that. So if he truly wants to shield young people from the harmful effects of social networking, uh, you've got a captive audience five days a week, most of the year, especially if you also go to summer school. Uh, that's many, most of the hours of a kid's uh, year are spent in school. They're not spent at home. Uh, so you could actually disconnect them from social networking about, oh, a good uh, six, seven hours a day. Yeah, but actually that that's a good idea, except that if you can't get kids coming into school to relinquish weapons, good luck them giving up their cell phone. <laughs> 
And by the way, yesterday, uh, afterwards, everybody was invited over to a Zona de Cuba owned by Eric Adams' very dear friend, that Utreditor, you remember the name, Fernando Mateo. He was the de Blasio Republican who challenged me in the Republican primary for mayor. I crushed him. And now there are certain Republican leaders who are actually saying, yeah, we need a Latino. Uh, yeah, we should get Fernando Mateo again to run. Yeah, go ahead. Get Fernando Mateo, that crook, who was giving away free food and free drinks to all of the Eric Adams uh, attendees yesterday. And the Eric Adams supporters were basically saying, show me the money. Show me the money. Show me the money. That's what it's all about. It was soliciting contributions to Eric Adams' defense fund. So if you went to a state of the city address and you took advantage of the free food and free booze that was offered over at Zona de Cuba right across the street of Fernando Mateo, they were hitting you up for a donation to his legal defense fund. I thought people, when they heard about his problems, were calling him up to volunteer giving money. Now they need to ask for it? Well, a lot of people were refusing to return his call. Because they knew he was trying to pick their pockets. By the way, you want to know what the mayor in exile did yesterday while Eric Adams was on stage in a $5,000 customized suit not talking about migrant issues? I was dealing with the migrants. I was at the Roosevelt Hotel. You can look at my social networking. They had a fire there. Fire department had to show up. Uh, they also had like four medical emergencies. The EMTs had to show up while I was there. And then I went out to Floyd Bennett Field. We f- we filmed the piece for Sean Hannity's show last night on the Fox News channel. The reporter was uh, Sarah Carter. And we were kept out. There's a fence that goes around Floyd Bennett Field. We were kept out. We were told we're, we're not permitted in. But there's no longer going to be a fence down in parts of the border between Texas and Mexico. Which is so odd. We pay for this Floyd Bennett Field facility where they should not be housing uh, women and children. It's in a flood zone. It looks like Stalag 13. I mean, it really looks bad. And uh, it was on the Fox News channel last night. We'll be posting it on my social networking. You can see for yourself. While Eric Adams was styling and profiling in the Bronx, getting wine dined and pocket lined by his supporters. Yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, mayor in exile like Napoleon on the island of Elba, was dealing with the illegal alien situation at the Roosevelt Hotel and at Floyd Bennett Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now to the Bernard McGurk Studios of 77 WABC and Curtis Sliwa. Curtis doesn't know about you, but he rips and reads. This is the Rip and Read. <laughs> When he's sticking you and taking all your money. Give me the loot, give me the loot. 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 The anthem of the porch pirates, they're everywhere in the tri state area. The urban areas, the suburban areas, even out in rural areas. So every day, a stream of United States Postal Service trucks, UPS trucks, Amazon trucks, and FedEx Express trucks make their deliveries to the front door of a business, a foyer of an apartment building, on a porch, in a backyard, wherever they can stick the package or packages. And generally, there are never arrests when the porch pirates follow and they snatch up the packages. Sometimes they open it up right there and they take the loot with them defiantly. 
But now there's been a wrinkle in what has been a non-existent law enforcement or prosecutor's uh, way of trying to grab these uh, thieves, uh, lock them up, uh, prosecute them, and incarcerate them. And I guess it all uh, stems from what people are seeing uh, on their alarm bell, uh, which oftentimes they can actually watch their packages being stolen while they're somewhere else. Yeah, so this is um, the Ring feature. It's like uh, Amazon uh, bought this in 2015, and it's a home security company that basically is known for, you know, those uh, video cameras at the doors so that people, you know, know if someone's uh, by their house or if something has been dropped off. So they have an app, which is called Neighbors. So um, what, what happened was the police in the community used to make requests. To, they would go into the app and they would make requests in certain areas, like if that crime had been committed. Can we look at your ring footage to see if we can get a description of the car, the person? Now, they take a step back from that, and Amazon's now saying you can't do that. You can't make the request of people for this footage. Um, you know, now they can still obtain it as they always have, like search warrant or subpoena. But in a sense, they're trying to, you know, thwart what would be a, like a neighborhood community watch group. So Bezos, Jeff Bezos, the billionaire is actually making the life of citizens, community groups, those concerned with public safety, ten times more difficult than he already is, with no security, no enforcement, no cooperation between the private sector and the public sector to grab these porch pirates. Now he's making it even more difficult. I mean, and the thing is, it exists. It's, I mean, the like the concept of privacy in public from a legal standpoint it's very limited because when you're in public, you really have no anticipation of privacy. So to try to you know tell people you can't share this information because we're concerned it might affect the rights of whatever the potential criminal. They're worried about profiling. I mean, Jeff, it's, Jeff yeah. Bezos is concerned with the criminal rights. Apparently, anyway, uh, in Northeast Queens, which is right where Creedmoor is, uh, Hillside uh, Avenue, it's right before the border with Nassau County, and it is an area rife with porch pirates stealing packages every day, and neither the NYPD or Nassau County Police do anything about it. But it was also the scene at 11 o'clock this morning. I got to give her a high five. The congressional candidate, Mozzie, who's battling Swazi in the 3rd Congressional District, Mozzie and her supporters were standing right outside of Creedmoor, decrying the tent that was put up and still is there to house a 1,000 a military age, illegal alien men with nothing to do, nowhere to go, who have uh, been causing chaos in the community. And it just shows you how the tide has turned. Because normally, Swazi would be considered, he leads and Mazi follows. You know who showed up right when Mazi was finishing so he could talk to all the uh, reporters? No. Swazi. <laughs> <No. laughs> what, what, what is Swazi going to say about this? When I was county executive in Nassau County, I kicked ice. Out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ice out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ice out of Nassau County. When I was county executive of Nassau County, I kicked ice out of Nassau County. I mean, how did he answer that? And the fact that he is for congestion pricing. Oh, that's a double whammy. Which will cripple his constituents in the North Shore of Suffolk, Nassau, and over uh, in Whitestone, Queens. It's... But that tells you a lot how the how the the tide is turned. The fact that he shows up at a press conference of the Mazzy Mazzy and her supporters because it's the only way for him to get any press attention. And naturally, the press asked him about that, 
and he tried to act like that question wasn't even valid. Hey, you're going to lose, Swazi. Vote for Mazi in the 3rd Congressional District, February 13th.